Today we are in week three of a series called All the Feels. All the feels. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a social media hashtag that when you have all the feels over a certain picture or something, you, you don't kind of know what to, what to feel about it. You feel good. You feel sad. You feel all everything. You hashtag all the feels. And how many of you have used that hashtag, all the feels, before? It's kind of like a, you know, I don't know what to say right now, so all the feels. We've got one honest person in here. I can't believe that. So in this series, we're talking about the feelings that we have in our everyday lives because sometimes we have all the feels that actually takes us away from the promised life that Jesus said that we could have. And we, we've been talking about being overwhelmed in life, and we've talked about being depressed in life. Today we're going to be talking about something called resentment. Resentment. And, and this feeling, it can trap us. What, what do you do when all the feels means feeling the feelings of resentment? Quick story. Uh, a few years ago, a bird flew in the dryer vent outside of my house. You know what I'm saying? And you can, sometimes you can hear them kind of wiggling around in there. Well, this bird actually made it all the way down the wall and into my dryer. And not the place where you put the clothes, but into the, the body of the dryer. Well, we didn't know, so we dried clothes. Oh, all the feels right there. I'm going to say this as sensitive, sensitively as I can. The bird didn't make it. And we continued to dry clothes like normal, and all of a sudden... There's the smell. <laughs> and, and you know what I'm talking about. The bird didn't make it. The bird died and is rotting in our dryer. And we didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know what had happened. Um, and, and we're drying clothes like normal. Things are kind of looking like normal, but they smell really bad. And we're like, where is this coming from? And finally, I realized it's coming out of the dryer. So I did the task that nobody wanted to do, of course, and unhooked the dryer vent. And it was a mess, man. I'm having to push the dryer up, and, and we've got one of those high-efficiency dryers, so it's got kind of like an exhaust pipe. And you had to stick my hand all the way in there um, with a glove, did with a glove, and I had a, a plastic bag ready. And I, I reach in there, and I can feel this bird. And I, I grab the bird, and I pull him out. It, it, the story gets worse, so just brace yourself. Um, <laughs> I, I pull the bird out, and the bird doesn't have a head. <laughs> It's nasty. It's disgusting. He'd have been sitting in there. Remember when, when Lazarus had been in the, the tomb for so many days and he smelled bad? Like, this is that bird. And, and I pull him out, and it's disgusting and stuff. So I'm trying to not let stuff get on the floor and finally get the bird in the plastic bag. Um, it, the dryer was fine. We, the dryer still works. Still have the dryer to this day. I just had to deal with this beheaded bird who, was, who had been dead a long time first. And, and let, let me just kind of go right into what, what my, my point with this. This is a picture of what we look like when we hold on to hurt and it turns into resentment in our lives. We, we don't mean for it to. We, you know, it's not our intention to be resentful. We don't even necessarily know what's happening in our lives, but we hold on to these hurts. They sit there and they don't go away. When they go undealt with, they sit and they become poison in our lives. And all of our friends, our family, they begin to smell something funny. And they begin to see that, you know what, something, something's happening in their life. Hurt and anger turns into resentment when it's not dealt with. And it has tentacles that go into every area of your life. You wonder, I, I, I didn't used to be this bad of a parent. I used to be more patient than this. If we're honest with ourselves, it tethers down to a hurt we haven't dealt with. I, I didn't used to be this bad of a, of a spouse. I, I, I felt like I loved better before, well, it's probably because of a hurt maybe that has gone undealt with. I used to be a happier person before this happened. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves blaming somebody else who really doesn't even know that you're hurting. And it kind of comes to a, a hurt 
that we have that has gone undealt with, and it turned into resentment, and we didn't even mean for it to. There's a story in the Bible of a man who went through a terrible hurt, and by all measures of the word, we probably think he is the one that has the most potential to have resentment in his life because of what he went through. And the man's name, you could probably guess, is Job. I mean, if, if you've been a Christian for 100 years, or maybe you just started, or maybe you're not a Christian yet, everyone's heard Job, right? And we're like, I don't want to go through what Job went through. He, he was a guy, the Bible actually described him as a godly man, which was kind of funny as to why Job had to do the things that he had to do and go through the things that he had to go through. But the Bible said he was a godly man. In fact, in the very beginning of the book, uh, it says that God was having this conversation in heaven and used Job as an example of what a godly man looks like. I mean, this guy was a godly man. He had favor with everybody. I mean, when Job talked, people listened. He had this stature among all of the people that he lived around. And when he walked in to say something, people shut up and they listened to what Job had to say. Verse 2 of chapter 1 says Job was blessed. I mean, let's talk about his family. First of all, he, he had posterity. He had seven sons and three daughters. Some of you are like, I don't want that. But, but Job did. Back in the day, it was like when you, the bigger family you had, uh, the more blessed you were, the more your name could carry on. And in that culture in the Middle East, your name carried through sons is very important. And Job had it. Verse 3 says that he was wealthy, one of the wealthiest around. He had thousands upon thousands of animals, all kinds of different animals, which was money back then. A large number of servants, which was normal for this culture in that era thousands of years ago. The story says that he was considered the greatest man among all the people that he lived around. Just a, a great, godly man. And Job, he seemingly had everything going for him. And in one day, everybody say one day. It's interesting, he didn't accumulate all that in one day, but in one day it was all taken from him. Every bit of it. And, and the Bible tells the story, and, and these four servants come in back to back, unbeknownst to the other ones. They, they don't really understand what's happening, but they're what happened to them. And they come in and they tell Job, you know, you, all, all your animals have been stolen, and all your servants have been killed, and I'm, I'm the only one that's come le left, that was left alive to come tell you this. And then, then there was fire, and there was wind, and, and, and they came in and burned up certain uh, animals and burned up and killed servants. And then these enemies came down from, from different places, and they stole more animals, and they killed more servants. And then to top it all off, they, one comes in and says, this great wind blew over the structure of the house where all of your kids were together celebrating, and all of them are dead. I just Can, can you imagine that for a minute? In, in one single day, Job's life, everything that he had worked for, everything that he had prayed for, everything that he had, he had, he had accumulated was gone. And if that wasn't enough, long after that, not long after that, he gets sick physically. And he gets all these sores, these painful sores all over his body. The Bible says when it was all said and done, Job wished the day of his birth had never happened. I wished I'd never been born. Just try to imagine that for a minute. I mean, we, we don't even want to imagine that. But just can we even get to a place where we can think about what that must have been like? I mean, if anybody was going to hold on to her and say, I don't deserve this, and, and be resentful over it. It had to be Job. But it doesn't end there. Then Job's got these three so-called friends. They get together, and they say, Job's having a tough time. We're going to go be with him. And so they ride to him. They make the journey. And the, the Bible says that before they even got there, they saw him afar off, and he was sitting on the ground, Job was just sitting there, and they said they didn't even recognize who he was, and when they get there, it's like the mood is so bad. It's just so 
just pitiful that they don't even know what to say. And they actually sit on the ground with him. And the Bible says for seven days, no one said a word. Like, what are we going to say to this guy? Like, I, have, I don't have the words to describe to him any type of anything that's going to make him feel better. We just, we look around, we see everything, we look at him. He looks horrible. Now he's sick on top of this. What, what do I say? And to add insult to injury, after seven days, then they start to talk. And what they say is so stupid. I mean, they, they begin to tell Job and try to convince him that, you know what? You must have sinned some kind of great in order for all this stuff to happen to you. Because to be sure, God, in all his sovereignty and goodness, doesn't, doesn't do this or allow this to somebody who's living an upright life. So you must have sinned somewhere. And then that exactly what Job probably wanted to hear? I know I would, right? You got it going on in your life like nobody's business, and then you got people coming and telling you everything you did wrong to deserve it. If anybody knows hurt, and if anybody knows the natural inclination to be resentful, it's him. It's him. And like Job, we have hurt in our lives. And it, may, it may not be as extensive as that. I pray nobody has to go through something like that. But we all have hurt. We all have people in our lives who have hurt us. We all have situations that we've been through that we don't understand, maybe even to this day, why we had to go through that. And, and, and we hurt in our lives. And hurt when it goes unchecked. And when it goes undealt with, resentment is a byproduct. And resentment will eat away at you, and it'll kill you. Job did a few things through the course of his story to deal with his hurt in a way that when it was all said and done, he didn't get resentful. Now, how many of you want to know what that was? Because if that guy did that, then what I'm going through, I, I, I'd like to know what Job did. And so we're going to talk about these things, three things. Say three things. We're going we're to hustle through these. But if we're going to beat resentment in our lives, then you have to do this. First thing, I must reveal my hurt. i got to reveal my hurt. Job did it. We're going to talk about it in just a second. Revealing your hurt, listen, it always means going back to the pain and sitting in it for a time. Okay? It, it always means going back and feeling the pain. Now, we don't do that naturally. In fact, we avoid that naturally. Have you ever touched a hot stove? I burned myself yesterday on a coffee pot. <laughs> it still hurts. It's actually on this hand. And uh, no one had to tell me to pull my hand away. <laughs> I did it instinctively. If you touch a hot stove, you, you pull your hand back. Why? Because we're wired to avoid pain. We run from it. We, we run from pain. There's nothing in us instinctively that wants to sit in pain or run to pain. So I want you to know that off, off the top. When I'm talking about you have to reveal your hurt, that might mean going back and sitting in the pain for, for a little bit of time to, to, to reveal this hurt. And you're not going to do it naturally. You're actually going to run from it naturally. And that's what makes revealing hurt so difficult. We don't talk about it. We, we constantly stay busy so we don't have to deal with it, think about it. We avoid it. And consequently, what happens is it stays there, and it stays buried inside, and it grows roots. And you can say it's not there. You can say you're better, but it's there. And the only way that we keep resentment from taking root is you got to reveal it. you got to reveal the hurt. This is what Job decided to do. He said, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to reveal my hurt. I'm going to go to God with it. And in verse, chapter 7, verse 11, he says, I'm not going to keep silent, but I am going to speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. A few chapters later in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, listen, I, I loathe my very life. I, I, I wish I had never been born, he said in another part. He said, but I'm going to speak out in my bitterness, and I'm going to say to God, notice how he goes to God, okay? I'm going to say to God, don't condemn me, but tell me what charges you have against me. Like, God, I come in reverence, 
but I need to just have this honest conversation with you, with you that doesn't sound churchy and fake and, and resemble some type of fake religion. I, I need to talk to you about this. He didn't come to God with, with fakeness. He didn't come to God with something that, that looked like some sort of religion. He was honest about what was really going on inside of him, and he did it. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't socially acceptable, but it was honest, and it's really all God wanted from him. It's all God wants from you is to come before him and reveal your hurt. Listen to this. I heard a quote. It says, revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. And if we're honest right now, some of us in this room are angry. You, you deal with it in such a, such, a, such a way that no one really even knows. But you're angry inside over something that happened. You know it. God knows it. But you're pretending like it doesn't exist. And you're doing it to protect yourself. Maybe it's just too painful. Maybe you don't see it getting any better. So you know what? Why, why even talk about it? Why go through that again? Maybe you're like, you know what? I don't like the way that's going to make me look. Because I was there at one time, but enough time has gone by where I've numbed myself to it. And I don't want to go there again because I don't look pretty when I, when I talk about that. So I just, we're going to go on with that. Maybe you just can't imagine having to feel those emotions again. So what happens? It burns within you. It stays within you. And guess what? It turns into resentment. And it's only hurting you. Here's the thing. God, God doesn't condemn you for doing that. You need to hear me. We, we, we do those things naturally, fleshly, humanly. We avoid pain. And God does not condemn you for doing that. But I want to tell you, God wants to start you on a healing process. God doesn't want you to walk around with pain that turns into resentment that hurts you. And you just, he, he doesn't want you to deal with it in such a way that you push it off. He wants to heal you. He loves you. And God knows what it's like to deal with pain. Jesus dealt with pain. The same kind of pain you feel. The pain of feeling rejected and hurt, denied. He wants to heal you. So let me ask, what is it way down deep that you're pretending isn't there? Don't raise your hand. Don't say it. But I just want you to be honest with yourself for a minute. If, if revealing that is the beginning of healing, what is it? that you're pretending is not there? What, what, what is it that you're feeling down deep? Is it something in your marriage? Something that, that hurt you? Is it, is it some type of uh, maybe an untimely death of somebody that you love? And you're hurt, you're hurt over it. Yes, it's very natural to hurt and mourn. That's natural. But maybe you've let that go on so long and you haven't really dealt with it in a healthy way that now it's turned to something else. Maybe something at work, you got passed over on something that you were promised and that hurt. And you're sitting here feeling like, you know what, I could really hurt somebody over this. I'm just going to shove it down and not talk about it. Some of you are walking around with pain from your childhood. Something happened. Maybe a parent that wasn't there or a parent that was there and they weren't there very good. And you're walking around with that pain. Maybe it's a, a former friend that, that hurt you and you trusted. Guys, pain is real. And hurt is real. And we're so good at walking around with masks so that nobody sees what really happens. We're good at it. But we lay down at night, and when we, when we think about it, it burns within us. And it's really trapping us from living the life that Jesus promised. And, and maybe you just say, you know, Pastor Ryan, I'd rather just move on with my life and forget about it. Because, you know, it's better for everybody if we just move on. But the fact is, is it's better for everyone except for you. Because you're the one that has to deal with it. You're the one that has to, to hurt, and, and you, you buried it. The problem is, is that you buried it, and it's still alive. We don't bury things alive. We bury things that are dead. 
We, we bury things that are no longer living, but this is something that you bury, and it's still alive down there. And all it takes is a song. All it takes is a picture. It takes a circumstance. It may even just be a sound or a smell. And on all of a sudden, all the feelings that are associated with that hurt and that pain come flooding right back into you, and it could be something that happened 10 years ago. For some of you, it's even longer than that. Maybe for some of you today, your feelings are a little more fresh. I have a friend of mine who, uh, years ago, he was, wasn't the most ethical person, and he had some pretty shady friends. I mean some shady friends. Um, there was a crime that happened, and this guy blamed it on my friend. And guilt by association, I don't know. He was close enough to the situation where it could have been plausible. So my friend gets busted, innocent, but gets busted. Spent three years in prison, bitter. As a matter of fact, in prison, he swore to himself that he was going to take this guy's life when he gets out. True story. I mean, he was going to kill him. And uh, a local prison ministry goes to that prison. He ends up actually getting saved in prison, giving his life to Jesus and saying, God, I, I want you to lead my life. Interesting. And so he gets out of prison three years later. He does the time. And he gets married. He, beautiful woman. He, he has this little girl, love of his life. His life seems to be going on. And he starts to go to church. He starts to play in the band, played bass, great bass player. And that's where I met him. Um, years go by. And so he's in a local hardware store, and he's getting some pro things for a home project that he's doing. Um, and after all these years, he sees this guy walking through the hardware store. And he's telling me the story, and he says, Ryan, before I even realized it, I picked up a pipe, and I was going to hit him over the head with it and kill him. He said, it scared me so bad, I threw the pipe down, and I ran out of the store, not even realizing and scared to death that I was still so angry at this guy. After all these years, he had this peace because he knew God, but he never dealt with the hurt of his friend. And because so much time had gone by, because he just kind of forgot about it and stuffed it down, he thought he'd forgiven him because he forgave him one time in prison. He thought he'd forgiven him for good, but what he really did was he buried the pain and you can't move on until the hurt has been dealt with, not buried. Are you hearing me this morning? So how do I do that? You got to reveal your hurt. You got to reveal your hurt, and it's painful because that means you have to go back and you have to sit in the feelings of your hurt, and you have to go back to that place, and, and those feelings start to flood you again, and, and you, you have to go back and you have to face it, and to think that you can heal just because time goes by is a lie. Somebody needs to hear me today without going back and feeling the pain of your hurt and dealing with it is like saying that you're going to fly on a Delta airline to Florida and never go to the airport. Uh, you're going you're to think you are in Florida. You're going to talk like you're in Florida. You're going to live like you're in Florida. You're going to tell everybody you're in Florida. But until you go to the airport and actually get on a plane, you ain't in Florida. You can act like you're healed. You can tell everybody you're healed. You, you can walk around pretending like you're healed. You can tell yourself you're healed. You can put on a face like you're healed. But if you don't go back to the pain of your hurt and reveal it, it'll stay buried. And healing in your life will never progress past a certain point. You have to reveal your hurt. And I'm spending a little bit of time on this first one. The, the other two aren't going to be this long. But this is the starting point. You, you have to go back and you have to reveal it. And I'm going to give you some application. This is what I suggest doing. Starting, just go to God. And I suggest you pray, but I suggest you write down your prayer. And I want you to write down some very candid questions and some very candid statements. And I, I just want you to do it. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt when you do this. But you have to reveal it. You have to sit in the pain for a little bit and feel it in order to, to be honest with God about it and deal with it. 
and, and write this stuff out to God. Say, God, this is how I feel, and write it out. You need to be reverent, but you need to be honest. God can handle your honesty, okay? Can everybody just shake your head? You don't have to go to God with some church face. You don't have to go to God and pretend like you're, you're closer or you're somehow, you, you don't, God, he already knows you. He made you. He knew what you were going to say before you said it, but he longs for you to say it to him. Be honest with him. Dear God, this is how I feel. And then wh where were you when this happened to me? Maybe that's the question you want to ask. God, where were you? Why did this happen to me like it did? And, and understand, you're not saying this for his information. You're saying this for your own clarification. And he longs to have this discussion with you. God, where were you when my loved one passed away? God, where were you when, when my friend hurt me like they did? God, where were you when my spouse did this to me? Where were you? Why is this happening to me? To be sure, if you were God and you love me and love my family and love like you said you do and you're so great, why? You just need to get back there and ask that question. God can handle that. Where were you, God? And the fact is, and what you'll come to realize, but he still wants you to have the conversation. What you'll come to realize is he was the exact same place he was when people hurt Jesus Christ, his own son. He was hating what sin had done to the world. He was hating what sin had done to people. He was, he was hating what sin had done to you. He was hating it, and he loves you. He was loving you all along. He was loving you when it happened. He was right there. And, and what he wants to tell you is all the people in this world, the people that are closest to you, will hurt you. They, they will say things about you. Sometimes they will absolutely fail you in a way that hurts you down to your core. But he's saying, I have never left you. I will never leave you. And I'm here right now for you. And maybe you just need to, to have that conversation with God. Go back to the pain. Reveal your hurt. Maybe write down what you feel like God might be wanting to say. Whenever you get to a point, you can do that. I understand. After you write that prayer out, share it with somebody you trust. Share it with somebody who has wisdom, godly wisdom, who's a little bit further along than you, that you trust. Let me just give you a little bit of advice. Don't go to somebody who's not a Christian, okay, because they're going to give you advice too. The difference is they're not going to have to live with the advice that they give you whenever you do it. You are. You, you want to go to somebody. You have to reveal your hurt to God and then go to somebody who has that same heart set, who can give you godly wisdom and godly counsel and talk it out. Talk it out. And, and when you do that, when you're brave enough to reveal your hurt and trust that you're safe in front of God, and then when you're, when you're brave enough to talk it out with somebody that you trust, somebody that's godly, then you're on your way to healing because you've revealed your hurt. Everybody say number two. I got to reveal my hurt. Number two, I must release my offender. I must release my offender. I have to, I have to, I have to forgive. <laughs> and that's hard sometimes. Forgiveness doesn't mean I agree with what they did. You know what forgiveness means? Forgiveness means I take my hand off their throat. And I say, I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. I'm not, I still have to deal with my own feelings about it, but I'm, I'm taking my hand off of your throat. Job had it tough. Out of everything that he had to go through and everything he had to lose, on top of all that, he had to have these three, I'm just going to say it, stupid friends who had it all wrong. And they came to him, and they, they just made his life even more, made his misery even more intense. And if you read the, the, the book, it's like they're just going back and forth for the whole book. Job's friends will talk, and then Job will respond, and then they'll talk back, and then Job will respond. This is, it, Job was humiliated at the things they were saying, absolutely humili humiliated. And, and at the end of the story, God shows up. It's pretty interesting how he does, and he actually speaks. 
and he sets Job straight on some things because Job had, he, he never wavered, he never sinned, but he was, he was questioning a lot. He was very honest. And God set him straight. And then he, God turns his attention to the friends, and he deals with the friends. And I know Job, lo- Job loved this part, you know? And, and at the, uh, the end of the book, in, in chapter 42, we, we read where God spoke to the friends. This is what he said. I'm angry with you and your two friends. There was three of them. It's because you've not spoken what is right about me. And you can just imagine Job sitting there going, that's right. <laughs> Get him. You know, I don't know if he did that or not. It's not in the book, but I, I'm just kind of saying and then God says this. After he kind of talks to him, he says, look, my, my servant Job's going to pray for you. And Job's probably, <laughs> he didn't say this, but I'm, what? <laughs> Why am I going to pray for him? God, you pray for him. They have been nothing but bad to me. He says, I'm going to accept your prayer. I want you to pray for your friends. And verse 10 says, after Job had prayed for his friends, say after. Something had to happen first. After he prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again. Gave him twice as much as he had before. God restores Job, doubly blessed him. Second half of his life, the Bible says, was even more prosperous than the first. Beautiful ending. But God's first priority was Job forgiving his friends. Now, you would think, after everything Job had been through, that God's first priority would be to just bless Job. We'll deal with the rest later, but Job, you have passed the test, buddy. You have done what you were supposed to do despite all the hurt. Man, we're... we're, He said, I want you to forgive your friends first. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I just have this feeling that Job couldn't have uh, accepted, lived in, enjoyed the blessings if he harbored resentment in his heart. I don't care if you go to Hawaii to get away. You can sit on the most beautiful beach on the planet, but if you have resentment in your heart and hurt and anger that's not dealt with, there is this lens that you have to look through that just darkens everything around you in life. You, you, You agree with that? And, and, and he said, first priority is you got to forgive. I have to release my offender, forgive first. And you know that God's priority is going to be the same for you, to forgive the people. Release your offender. Forgive the people that hurt you. Before healing comes, forgiveness is necessary. And sometimes it's not a one-time deal because we forgive and we say we forgive and we really mean it. And then maybe 10 minutes later or maybe a month later or whatever it is, those feelings of anger start to come back into us, don't they? And we start to have to deal with that over and over again. In, in, in Matthew chapter 18, one of Jesus' disciples comes up to him and says, how many times do I have to forgive my offender, who, my brother who sins against me? Seven times? And Peter was feeling pretty generous. Interestingly, Jewish rabbis at the time, they, they said, you know what, forgive, they taught, forgive up to three times. Forgive three times. So Peter just probably, hey, Jesus, seven times? <laughs> He says, not seven times, but seven times, 70 times. And Jesus wasn't saying 490 times and that's it. That's, that's an exaggeration of, of, of any, we can't start to count. But what he's saying is a, a heart that is on its way to true healing understands that forgiveness is, is an ongoing thing. It's unlimited. A heart that is headed towards true healing understands that forgiveness, it's necessary to have the healing. And what he's saying is you got to forgive In in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's heavy. And so I've got three steps that that I do and, and you can do. If you are harboring something inside of you and you're trying to forgive, but those feelings keep coming back. Three things that I want to tell you to do when when resentment starts to creep back in. First of all, tell yourself, I've already forgiven them. 
Say it out loud. I've already, okay, I feel this right now. I've already forgiven them. I'm going to start with that. Secondly, remind yourself that you too once needed forgiveness and Christ forgave you. That's a huge, huge thing that you need to remember. And if you need to remember yourself at the foot of the cross, asking God to forgive you of your sins, don't compare the, the hurt. Don't compare what you did. It's all sin in God's eyes and is unworthy of him. You remember yourself at the foot of the cross and feel the weight of your sin if you have to, but you remember that Christ set you free from that. You, you have to say, I've already forgiven them. Remind yourself that you too once needed forgiveness. And then the third thing, ask God to help you in this moment right now. God, help me. I'm hurting. <laughs> I, I need you to help me deal with these feelings in a way that's healthy. You, you can't resist a feeling. So just don't beat yourself up for feeling it, but you can replace it. You don't have to feed that, okay? You, you can't resist a feeling. They come out of nowhere, but you can replace it. And that leads me to number three. Say number three, last one. I must refocus my life. I must refocus my life. You can't think negative thoughts and do vengeful things and expect to heal. You got to do things differently. You can't. If, if you want to change in your life, then you have to replace those thoughts and actions with new ones. You got to redirect your energy. That was a story of a man recently who uh, went on a ride-along with his son. His son's a police officer. And they're around in Goldsboro doing the night shift. And the next day, the, the man's telling one of his buddies, he said, man, you wouldn't believe the stuff that goes on in the middle of the night in, in Goldsboro. He said, you'd be shocked. And the man looked at him, and he was like, you know what? He said, I'm never going to be involved in any type of crime at 1 a.m. in Goldsboro uh, because I'm not going to be out at 1 a.m. in Goldsboro. And I'm just going to tell you, the reason why some of you have begun healing is because you have the same attitude toward your hurt. You're not hanging around, so to speak, those negative thoughts anymore. You're not entertaining them, those, those feelings that come in. You're not feeding them like you once were. So they don't affect you like they once did. You understand that you can't heal and feed negative thoughts at the same time. If you want to stop feelings of resentment from controlling your life, then stop catering to the same thoughts that got you there to start with. You have to refocus your life and start doing things differently. In 1 John chapter 1, John said, if, if we live in the light as God is in the light, say light. He said, we can share fellowship with each other if we live like that. He said, then the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. You got to live in the light instead of the darkness. Have you ever had a plant that you kept in the dark? It dies, doesn't it? But if you take that plant and you put it in the light, the sunlight, what happens? It just re-energizes it with life. In fact, if you've ever seen trees that are kind of shaded, their, their branches will actually grow towards the sunlight. It's pretty funny sometimes when you see them. They're, they look like they're stretching. They're just, but they actually do. They stretch towards the sunlight. They long to live in the light because they know that that's where the life comes from. So don't expose your hurts only to darkness, those dark thoughts and feelings that you have. Take those and expose them to the light of Jesus Christ. Don't constantly keep them hidden in the dark. I'm going to stuff it down. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep them uh, fed with negative thoughts and emotions. Reveal it. Bring it to Christ. Refocus your energies. Start doing things different. Two areas where you can refocus your life. First one is recommit your life to Jesus. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. Stop focusing on the person or the thing that hurt you. Because you can absolutely do nothing about that. But start focusing on your relationship with God. You can do something about that. You can say, you know what, I can do absolutely nothing about what they did, but I can look to Christ and have this relationship with him. I can control the pace of that as he leads me, and I can come to him. You, you, you can release that person. 
and you can focus on God. Those things are within your power to do. Second, confess your sin and forsake it. Confess your sin to God and run away. And what I mean by that is this. When you harbor bitterness and resentment in your heart, that's a sin. You want to know why? Because Jesus said to forgive. And if you're not on a path towards forgiveness and you're choosing to do the opposite, then you're choosing to turn away from God. Just by nature of the law, when you do the opposite of what God says do, then you are sinning. Sinning is just missing the mark that God set. And we know we can't hit it in and of ourselves. We need Jesus. So we better be listening to the things that Jesus said, shouldn't we? We, we got to be forgivers. Why is that so important to have God in our lives as we do that? Because you don't have enough forgiveness in and of yourself to do the job. You need God. You need him. I know there's people in this room with pain. And I know for some of you, the pain's been there for years. And I know for others of you, the pain is a little more recent. But I, but I know a couple things. First thing is this, you cannot get rid of it without God's help. You can't get rid of the pain without God's help. And I want you to know this too. God wants to help you. Some of you just needed to hear somebody say that. God wants to help you. He knows where you're at, and he's still available to you. He wants to help you. A few years ago, I, I went through a very painful divorce. And I'm telling you right now, I, there were days I thought I was going to die. There were, I thought it would kill me. Some days I was doing good just to survive the day. And the only thing that has got me through and allowed me to stand up straight and walk through life and stand before you on a journey of healing is that I involved God in it. And I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 16 years. But there are hurts in this life that it doesn't matter what you are or what you think you are or what anybody else thinks you are. You're human just like everybody else and susceptible to falling. But I said, God, I'm going to come to you. And I came to God. And it wasn't anything that looked like church. It wasn't anything that looked like you know, Pastor Ryan, I was just empty Ryan. And I came to him. And that's the one thing I resolved to do. And maybe you need to remember this phrase, because I've remembered it. Hurt in front of God. You're going to hurt. God doesn't promise to take all your pain away. But what he does say is, I'm going to walk with you in this hurt. And we're going to get through this together. And on the other side of it, you're going to be a healthy individual who's dealt with it. And I'm going to help you. Quit trying to pretend like when you come to God, all your hurt goes away. Remember this phrase, hurt in front of God. And I was tempted to hurt in front of a lot of other things. I was tempted to hurt in front of other people and go, just go to other people. And, and, and I was hurt, tempted to hurt in front of other self-medications. And you can just understand what all the gamma of that involves. I was tempted to do it. I almost did. I, I mean, I was empty. I even felt like some of those options I deserved to be able to go and do because of the pain I was in. I, I remember, but the pain wasn't going to go away with all those other options. It would still be there. It would just help it for a time. It was still going to be there because there was so much pain involved with it. And maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing that can help that. And so I just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt in front of God. I just, I resolved myself to hurt in front of him. And sometimes I thought I would die, but I faced it. And as it came in, I let it out. And there were times I didn't even want to leave the house because I didn't know when it was going to pop up and when I was going to make myself look like a fool in front of people. And so I was scared to leave the house. And so I just, I sat at the house, a lot of times just on my face, and, and I just hurt. And I don't know if some of you know what I'm talking about, the, the hurt that you feel like you're holding the weight of a submarine on your chest. It's undoable. <laughs> you feel like you want to crawl into a hole and then dig another one and crawl in that and just keep going down till you just disappear. 
There were times where I felt like letting bitterness and resentment take over. But when you decide to hurt in front of God, he begins to speak to you and you begin to hear. And God kept telling me over and over again, he said, keep revealing your hurt to me, Ryan. <laughs> keep telling me because I, I can take it. I, I can handle it. Keep, keep coming to me with it, Ryan. Keep, keep doing this. Keep forgiving. You may have to do it every 10 minutes, but keep doing it. And remember, I forgave you. Keep forgiving. Keep refocusing your life, Ryan, because I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for your life. Keep doing it. Don't give up. Do this in front of me. Bring it all to me. And it didn't happen overnight. I can't sit here today and tell you that I'm done with the journey. But what I can tell you is little by little, I found myself healing. And because I was being honest with it as it came up, I wasn't hiding it or stuffing it down. And I was listening to what God was telling me. I haven't been perfect. I can promise you that. But what I can say is God took all my imperfections and he was honored to have me come and throw it all at his feet. Little by little, I began healing and God kept telling me and telling me and telling me. And over and over, he began telling me and telling me sometimes the same thing over and over. And the reason is because over and over, I was tempted to go the other direction. You may be too. It doesn't happen overnight. But I'm going to tell you, when you're standing next to him, right in the middle of your hurt, it's easy to hear his voice over the noise because you're right there and you can hear him. And sometimes it's this loud, booming feeling you have right here in your spirit. And you just know, even though you may not feel like it, sometimes it's like a little flicker. It's like a whisper, but you, you, you know he's there and you can hear him. When you resolve to hurt in front of him and reveal it to him, and I'm, I'm still on a journey, but I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't think of being on it with anybody else besides God. You need God. You're not going to be able to do it without him. And if you're feeling those feelings of resentment and you have hurt in your life, reveal it to God. Reveal your hurt. Forgive. Release your offender. And begin to refocus your life. Let me ask you a very bold question. Will you look for God to help you? Will you look to him? Who do you need to forgive? Would you be brave enough to start that now? Maybe you want God to forgive you today. Both of those things can happen. Can we pray together? Our prayer team is going to come up. And if you want prayer, if you're hurting and you're just saying, you know what, I've, I've heard some of this stuff today and I, I would like just for someone to help me pray. There's some people up here that will be more than willing to help you do that. But I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. And if we could all just uh, maybe stand together. Can we do that? Can we stand up? And let's just be honest as we pray. And we're, we're closing. Anytime during this prayer or after I get done praying, these folks will be up here ready to help pray if, if that's what you want. God, we love you. And Lord, our, our hurt and the way we feel inside, sometimes we feel like we're just not worthy to come to you or even say anything to you because we, we feel so evil, if I can just be as bold to say it like that. We think evil thoughts. We have, sometimes, if we're honest, we even plan evil things. Sometimes we scare ourselves with the things that we think because of hurt. God, forgive us for not coming to you. Forgive us for thinking that somehow you can't handle that in us. If we do anything else when we leave here today, we just want to resolve to do this in front of you and involve you in this. I, I can't sit here today and, and say we know all the plans that's going to happen tomorrow and we know every step that we're going to have to take. And I don't know that, but I know that you do. God, and I just pray for some bold faith in this room this morning that says... I don't have to know all the answers. I don't have to have all the feelings now. I don't have to have it all resolved by this afternoon. 
but I'm just going to simply trust and fall into the arms of the God who knows my pain, who, who understands the way I feel, who has seen every single tear I've cried, who has seen every single, every single feeling, every single evil thought, and still loves me and knows the way out of all this. I, I just want to trust you, God. And in this very room right now, if you're feeling the pain or if you've stuffed it down, I just, I just wonder if you'd be bold enough to have that kind of faith and say yes to God. You don't have to have it all figured out today. That's not the goal of today. Today is just, God, I, I, I am going to trust you. Show me the next step. If there's anybody in the room that's, that's maybe you just need to give and commit your life to Jesus. I just, if you'd be bold enough to pray this prayer with me, God, I need you in my life. I've, I need you. I, I need you to help me. But God, more so than, than my needs on this earth, I need you to help my eternal condition, my soul. I want to know that when I leave this earth, God, that I'm going to be in heaven with you. So Lord, I just, I commit my life to you. And it means this. It means that I have faith in you, not me. I believe that you came to this earth and, and died for me. You, you paid a price for my sin I couldn't pay. I believe you really died. I believe you really rose again. And if I go to heaven one day, it's going to be because of you, not anything I earn. I believe in you, and I thank you. God, I pray a blessing over every family here and everybody that's represented in this room and in the overflow. Help us to, 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 to not try to live like we've got it all figured out. Help us to not hide, but let us just completely and utterly surrender to you and trust you with the results. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Can we say amen together?